coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. 2022 will be the year of Nintendo, just like every year on this podcast. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I'm joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including GoldenEye coming to modern consoles. We don't know, plural. Uh, Then on Thursday, we are running down the list of Nintendo's 2022 releases. But in the meantime, Mark, how's it going? It's going so, so good. So happy to be back recording an episode of NCS with you, Patrick. Yes. Yes. I know for our listeners, it was a seamless holiday. Tiny seam. Yeah. One <laughs> tiny little seam. Seamless holiday. But mm-hmm. uh, for you and I, we have not seen each other right. for probably a little more than two weeks, which is very unusual because usually we see each other like twice a week. Twi- at least. And yes. so. Um, just so happy to be back. Yeah, and it's it's uh, it's great to be back. Uh, I feel, look, when we started uh, re- recording this episode, I was like, uh-oh, do I know how to do this? Do we still know how to do this? Turns out everything's going great. Oh, yeah, we're settling in just like we're pulling on a, a comfortable pair of underwear. Yeah, that's right. Um, Mark, uh, perhaps too much disclosure at the moment, I'm currently wearing a very comfortable pair of underwear that I think is falling apart. <laughs> Like I think it's, this, it's it right be, it's, on, it's right on the edge. Yeah, of like I think it's comfortable last because it it's is it comfortable because like it's on its mm. last thread, so it's basically like wearing nothing at all. No, because I need a look. I no, I I will never take it that far. I was going to say because I need a little, I need a little something like I need some structure to my underwear. Uh-huh. Um, and I guess I did say that, so it's not <laughs> just that I was going to say it, but I, I I did say it. Look, Mark, speaking of things that may need a little more structure than is actually there, Sonic Forces, uh, my copy of Sonic Forces, would you like to borrow it? Uh, you can get on the list. Here's the thing. Uh, get on the list by emailing us, Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. Both Sonic Forces and Untitled Goose Game in a Sonic Forces box are back at my home right now. I'm not crazy about the idea of going into a post office for the next couple weeks, so I'm not going to send it out for a couple. We're going to take a little break. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm not still collecting names and addresses. Uh, so still email them into us. Give us a mailing address where we can send you my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. There may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there. Who knows? You play it for as long as you want. You send it back. It's the perfect borrowing program. Here's something else. Something else. Is you can do. We're opening up a whole new world here Whoa. because Spotify is now allowing people to leave reviews for podcasts. Yeah. And we would love... Some would say about time. Some would say... Uh, not us, certainly. No, but not some us, would certainly. Say, some would say this. We would love if you would leave this... If you listen on Spotify, actually, even if you don't listen on Spotify, but you want to download the app and leave us a review, we're happy with that, too. Or if you listen to music on Spotify. One thing that I do know about Spotify and podcast reviews is that you need to have listened to at least one episode. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you go to the episode page, you can click on things as though you have already listened to them. Say, like, oh, I listened to this one. And then you can review. 
So I don't know that it's gaming the system necessarily. No. Because this, if you are hearing yeah, this yes. message, you have listened to at least one episode of this show. Or at least a couple minutes yeah, of that's one right. of these you episodes. You might yes. in, be in the process of turning this off in disgust. Right. Go ahead and leave a five-star review <laughs> on uh, Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and we appreciate it when you do that. Yeah. Thank you to 11BM064 for leaving us a review on Apple. And OmniJake472 for leaving us a review on Spotify. And at Mora Bros on Twitter for shouting out the Sega Genesis episodes. Yeah, we appreciate uh, all of that stuff that you guys do for us. We, uh, It's so cool to see people interacting with it. And it helps us uh, come up in those algorithms so that people can actually find the show um, and listen to the thing that you've been listening to. Um, Mark, we got an email from uh, Patty D. Patty D writes, "Hey guys, great podcast. I enjoyed listening to you. Uh, I enjoyed listening to you to and from work. I had a question. I was wondering if you have ever traded a system or a game and then picked it up again at some." at some later time i am guilty of this several times over i couldn't tell you how many times i bought uh traded then bought again uh game boy advance ds 3ds systems uh and games anyway keep up the good work thanks patty d um mark do you do much uh trading in of games like at a GameStop or anything no i um for several generations now at this point have been buying my games digitally Right, and so don't do a lot of trading in. The last generation I did do a lot of trading in was the like PlayStation Three slash Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty slash Wii because I was like, at one point or another through that generation, I had all of those systems. Or yeah, I, and and now you don't have any of them. No, I, right? I, yeah. I don't have any of them. And so that that's the thing is I feel like in general. Oh, sorry. I should complete that thought. So. In the Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, Wii era, I was going to GameStop a lot and like trading things in and stuff like yeah. that, buying lots of Nintendo DSs. I bought so many different versions of Nintendo DS. But as I feel like in general, I treat systems and generations like um, how I eat food, where it's like one uh, aspect of it at a time. Like it, you, you mean on a given plate? Not, on a given not, plate, that's not, right. You're not like these. This is the chicken <laughs> decade for me. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so I basically like consume that generation, and then almost like set it aside. Like I don't keep old consoles really. I don't have like my PlayStation Three. I there was a time where I guess the one instance I have done this is you know like I didn't have my Nintendo Entertainment System from when I was a kid, and then you know maybe in the early 2000s I bought another one. Yeah. Just so I could like have one again, but I don't have that one anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I guess I'm yeah, not much yeah. of a collector, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I am a little bit more of a collector, um, but there's a lot of, like, older s stuff that I just don't have anymore. Um, like, I don't have access to an NES anymore, and I know we had a couple different ones um, growing up, and I don't really know what happened to them. But have you, in a generation, been like, do you know what? I'm getting rid of my Nintendo 3DS, and then a few months or years later being like, oh, I'm going to get a 3DS again. Oh, no. I mean, it's for, for me, it's like it's at the end of a generation that I'm like trading. In. Like I remember putting together um, 
I think my original Super Nintendo. No, I, see, honestly, my memories around this are all like mixed up. Because um, I was gonna say that I traded in like my Super NES and a super a bunch of Super NES games for like a Nintendo sixty four or even a Virtual Boy. It's it's possible. Um, but I'm pretty sure I had a Super NES in like high school uh, and got rid of that later and then bought a new one. You know, like ten years ago or whatever, which is currently at my brother's house. So, like, I don't know. I feel like I've oh, my console history is like too deep now for me to even have like a an accurate record of anything. Also, that's true. As you're saying that, I'm like, well, I, well, I didn't start owning consoles myself mm. until like the again that like Wii, PlayStation Three, uh, generation. Other than like Game Boys and stuff. Otherwise, it was just like a family system that my parents yeah, bought. Yeah, yeah. And I'm fairly confident that my that like the super nintendo that we had the nintendo 64 probably the gamecube and the wii are all at my parents house still yeah that makes perfect sense for like grandkids to play with yeah um but i mean none of which is to like discount the value of trading in stuff at uh gamestop i have done that for sure um but it's never stuff that i feel like i'm gonna miss um yeah, I just if if there's anything that I I have like even the remotest like sentimental attachment to, I'm either going to keep it or like give it to someone that is like a member of my family or someone like that that feels like not that I'm ever going to collect on it, like I'm never going to knock on my brother's door and be like, "I hey, give that stuff back." Um but, you know, I feel like I could. Right, that's right. <laughs> you can lord it over him. That's right. I can always be like, you know, someday I'm going to collect those back. Uh, so thank you for the question, Patty D. Um, I guess the collective answer for both of us is uh, not really recently. I guess one thing that I do think about a lot is I think about uh, what happened to my GameCube. I don't remember. I probably traded it in for maybe a Wii or I don't I don't know. Yeah, probably that was it that I was like, I don't need this because the um, Wii. Backwards compatible. Okay, yeah, exactly. Um, but also then what happened to the uh uh, four sets of DK bongos that I had for it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is a great mystery. Yeah. That is an Yeah. I wonder. There are four could, DK bongos somewhere, probably in Wisconsin, that are just, that used to belong to me. So, like, go look for them, guys. <laughs> Let me know if you find them. Um, Mark, we also got uh, an email from um, Xander, uh, a couple emails from Xander o o over our break. Uh, and there was uh, one thing that he mentioned here that um, I, I think you and I should discuss. Um, he writes, hello, Nintendo Cartridge Society. I need a little help. I recent recently started to play The Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks on an emulator and am considering buying a DS system since I found one at a local flea market and play it there instead of on the emulator. Uh, but I also found copies of Link's Crossbow Training, Twilight Princess, the Wii version, Metroid Prime, Met and Metroid Other M at the same flea market. Uh, and then he wants advice on which of those he, he should pick up. Oof. So the uh, we, we, we need to discuss this, but I feel like it starts off on a little bit of a sour foot for us as we're not, Mark especially, not the biggest Spirit Tracks fan. Yeah, I hate Spirit Tracks. Actively loathes <laughs> it. <laughs> but that being said, and kind of a nice um, dovetail with P Patty D's question, I think you should buy the DS. Yes. Because I wish that I had a Nintendo DS. Yeah. And maybe, and I wish that I had like certain Nintendo DS games. And I have a 3DS, so I so guess you like can this play is attainable them, yeah. in theory. But it also plays Game Boy Advance games, right. which is 
the clutch part of it where I'm like, yeah, if you're even thinking about like, oh, I could use a Nintendo uh, uh, DS, absolutely go get it. Yeah, uh, and if I it's at a flea so. market and it's like it's a, reasonable a reasonable price, price. Yeah. yeah, I say go for it. Um, what do you think about these other things? Link's Crossbow Training, Twilight Princess, Metroid Prime, Metroid Other M. If you've never played Twilight Princess, I it's definitely worth playing, but I feel like there are other avenues for you to play it. As I'm saying that, it's like the Wii U. Yeah, the Wii U is I, the other avenue for you and, to play and, that. And, and the Wii U is a superior version, but if you don't have a Wii U, first of all, understandable. Um, and second of all, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, if, if you haven't played it, like, that's a good place to play it. So this, my vote, I think, is still get the Nintendo DS, yeah. play Spirit Tracks, tell me what you think, Xander. Tell me if you think that, like, my experience that I had with it when it launched, right? Maybe there was other stuff going on in my life that soured my opinion on it. Um, I, I would be interested to hear what you think. So my vote is for the Nintendo DS for selfish reasons, yeah. admittedly, but... <laughs> What are you going to do? But also, uh, I, th- I think that's just the good advice. You want to know something that, uh, that like, kind of tripped for me here was Link's Crossbow Training. I've never actually played this game. Have oh, you? Oh, I have, I have not, like, completed it. Yeah. But I have played Link's Crossbow Training, yes. Um, do you think at this flea market they have the, like, Wii Zapper? Or Ooh. is it just... And without the Wii Zapper, is it even worth it? I don't really think it's... I mean, does it really change the experience that much? I don't know, but I like, but I do think it's worth playing with the Wii Zapper, right? The way that it was meant to be played. Yeah, I, I don't know. I wouldn't. Um, I don't, Patrick. I think someday for this show, we will figure out a way to play Link's Crossbow Training, the fifth best-selling Legend of Zelda game in, in the United in States. The United States, that's right. Um, maybe, but maybe sixth now. It's possible that it got bumped off that top five. Possible. Possible. We yeah, don't know. Possible. <laughs> we don't have the numbers in front but of yeah, us. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's worth actively pursuing personally. Um, one of the other emails that uh, Xander sent us um, last week um, was uh, saying that he felt that uh, Metroid Other M was uh, an extremely underrated Metroid game. Um, so I'm guessing that after he sent us that email, he went ahead and bought uh, Other oh, M. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and we did talk about Other M uh, for a series of like a sort of book club style um, play along uh, series way back in the day. So you can check those out. Um, on wh- What do we title those? Like N- NCS mini minis ncs who knows you don't have to look it up classic edition classic edition yeah that's is that right (laughs) i think i think that's right um but we've talked through all of those and then uh metroid prime great game uh is are we ever going to get a modern version of it on switch that's the rumor right is that there's a remake coming soon that uh is being worked on in addition to metroid prime 4 so so yeah, j- uh, thank you, uh, Xander, for sending in your question. I'm sorry to answer it with just a bunch of other questions. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. Um, all right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. And what a week it's been! Three weeks, really, uh, of of games that we've been playing. Um, Mark, I'm going to go first uh, because I finished The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD um, on the Nintendo Switch, playing with motion controls the whole way through, um, which, look, I just think is the way to play the game. Uh, I I know that they map some of those controls to sticks and whatever, um, but... Man, especially like the the last fights in there, so satisfying from like a sword play angle. Um, and I just, uh, yeah, just re- really, really fun. I enjoyed this game a lot. Um, the ending of it felt a little like 
a little shaggy, a little long. Um, like there was a, a point where I was like, ah, okay. I am now going to get like the last piece of the thing and then into the final dungeon. And the last piece of the thing is actually like three things that you need to do. And so like there, there was a, the end kept sort of delaying itself. Um, but by the time I got to it, I was very satisfied with, um, what uh Girahim's ultimate fate was um I was really happy with uh there's a Groose redemption arc uh at, at the end of this game where you're like whoa Groose way to go buddy you used to be the bully and now I love you um so yeah I, I really really loved the end of this game that's awesome I'm really excited to get there I over the break I was traveling and so I brought my switch with me but I I don't, I, I'm with you. I do not enjoy playing Skyward Sword with the non-motion controls, with like the yeah. stick controls. And so I've just been waiting until I can play with motion controls again. Um, I, I, I'm curious how, so I just beat the like sand ship. Yeah. How many hours do you think I have left? Maybe, roughly. Maybe 10. Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe like another like third to go or something Yeah, like that. probably, okay. probably. Got it. Um, I mean, I also like, not that I got everything, because by no means did I get everything. Um, but I reached the point in a Zelda game, which I love. I just think is the in most open world ish games sort of do this. But like when you get to the point where you're like, oh, okay, I only have like a little bit more progress to go on this thing, and then I can get something new. And you start to make all of your own like you have this tiny little objective list in your head where you're like, oh, I can just finish this and finish this and like get all these things. Um, and I got really into that uh, in uh, at the end of Skyward Sword um, and was just having a really fun time upgrading stuff and uh, like picking up the little like pieces of heart and stuff that I had missed. Yeah, one of the things that really surprised me about my experience with Skyward Sword so far is how much I love the world of Skyward Sword. Yeah. And all like so many of the NPCs. There's so much personality in this game. Yeah. It's it, yeah, it's 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 all over it. And th like the fact that one of the collectibles, the gratitude crystals, is about like just interacting with the the characters and like doing dumb little things for them. Um, sometimes ruining their lives. Sometimes <laughs> you ruin their lives. Um, and you still get gratitude from someone. Someone will always give you those gratitude crystals. Um, but yeah, like that's, that's fun that it sort of like commodifies you building relationships with the characters. Um, that's very fun too. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to finish that game someday. Finally soon. Um, can, can I share the, the thing about Girahim that's like a, a little bit of a, a spoiler at the yeah, end? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you don't want to be spoiled for the end of uh, Skyward Sword or the very near the end of it, um, skip ahead just a little bit. Um, but so Girahim uh, is, you know, working to like summon this demon king. Um, and when he does this, when he succeeds in it, he becomes the demon king's sword. So like he is the fee to the demon oh, king that is cool um, which like tracks so much better than him being your rival yeah him being fee's rival is awesome and i was like this is so good and i love it that's really cool yeah that's really cool <clears throat> uh and then other games I've, I've been playing uh over the break um i am playing uh paper mario 64 or paper mario on the nintendo 64 um and i'm playing it using my nintendo 64 controller um, which I assume that you also have, have been doing a little bit of. I have not oh, actually guess, been yeah. playing. Yeah, I have not been playing it with the Nintendo 64 controller. I have been playing it purely with like the Switch controls. Um, so 
playing it. I, this is the first time I'm playing it with a Nintendo 64 controller because I originally played it on the Wii using that like weirdo classic controller. Oh, uh-huh. Um, so I am now having a more authentic ex- experience of the game. Uh, albeit not true to my original experience of the game. <laughs> uh, I've also been playing Paper Mario. I am. I just finished the chapter with uh, Lady Bo, Lady Boo. Oh yes, and and uh, um, uh, Tubba Blubba. Tubba Blubba. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, That's exactly where I am. Oh, too. okay. Yeah. yeah. I. It has been a very long time since I've played this original Paper Mario, and it is reminding me how it is kind of a perfect game. Yeah. I think it is, the writing is really funny and clever. The battle system is like with the like actions that you mm-hmm. do, plus the badges that you manage that give you d- different like abilities and you have badge points. And when you earn like a hundred star points or whatever they're called, that's when you like level up and you have to choose between health, these flower points where how you can use abilities or badges that you can equip. Like I, it's just so much fun. I love this game so much. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, and it it never ceases to amaze me how small the numbers are in the game. Um, that like even now, uh, when you know we've both been playing for maybe like eight ish hours, something like that, um, Mario will jump on an enemy and still deal two damage, like two points of damage, and I've got like. 30 hit points, you know, like every, all all the numbers are so low, which makes every action feel meaningful. Yeah. Right. Like you can't really waste a turn um, or you'll be like really put on like a a back foot. Like you've got to really be strategic and use the right moves on the right guys at the right time. And I, I loved Paper Mario, the Origami King. I thought it was a really great game, had a really good time with it. But going back to this original Paper Mario, it makes me realize I do miss when they had a little more freedom with the NPCs. Yeah. And so, like, there could be, there are, like, different ages of Toads and different ages of um, Koopas, and they're all, like... They're like Goombario. Yeah, you know, yeah. He's, it's, and he's not, like, a character that I really like using because he's not, he doesn't have, like, an interesting yeah. move set or anything. But, like, just walking around with him following you, and he's got his, like, big chompy uh, face, and he's, like, got a hat, and he's just kind of, like, waddling behind you. It's so cute! Yeah, so it's not necessarily that I want them to go, like, back to that style, but playing this game just reminds me, like, yeah. how good this game is. I'm, I'm really loving it. Uh, I also spent a little bit of time playing Mole Mania for the Game Boy on my 3DS. Um, through the Virtual Console Library. Uh, Mole Mania is a Nintendo-published game. Uh, uh, um, Miyamoto worked on it. Um, and uh, it's sort of a, like, overhead puzzle game where you control this little mole, um, and uh, you can burrow uh, underground to see, like, you know, to get, like, under the um, level and, like, pop up different places. And uh, it's just, like, a, a very, like, pushing blocks around, um, avoiding enemies, um, throwing cabbages into holes, that sort of thing. Um, and it's uh, one of those Nintendo games that uh, I have always known is out there. I was sort of reminded of when we were making our list of games that would definitely be coming to the Game Boy library, which never came to pass. Um, and so I was like, yeah, I should put some time into actually playing this game. And it turns out it's a very good, very competent, fun uh, Game Boy puzzle game. Oh, yeah, that's cool. I don't think I knew that it existed. But now I'm all in on that little mole guy for Smash. 
Oh yeah, a little mole guy. Uh, his name is like Murphy the Mole or something <laughs> like that. Uh, let's get him in Smash because uh, they're never going to add characters to that roster ever again. So I okay, I have some exciting slash uh, embarrassing news about Animal Crossing New Horizons. Oh, Mark, I this is I feared that we were going to get to a point like this, but please tell me what your news is. <laughs> okay, my news yes. is that uh, I KK Slider has come to Cabot Cove, Yes, and so I'm unlocking a lot of the DLC stuff. Yeah. I have also started Animal Cross, or the uh, Happy Home Paradise. I, a little bit of egg on my face about Happy Home Paradise. Yeah. Because I think think okay basically what happened was i finally unlocked kk slider comes to my island right and i'm like great now's the time now at any moment now tom nook is gonna be like hey i got somebody for you to talk to right any second that's going to happen does not happen and so i'm like weird what have i done like what is what, what did i not do um I'm like scouring the internet, trying to be like, what did I like? What trigger did I miss? Ooh, can I guess? Yeah. Did you, even though you are subscribed to Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion uh, Pack, Expansion Pack, not actually download yes! Happy Home Paradise? That's exactly <laughs> what happened. Because you know what I thought? Yeah. Was that when I just thought it was included with the 2.0 update? Yeah. No. I and so the all all I had to do. Was the whole time. go to <laughs> the eShop, download Happy Home Paradise. And so I'm pretty sure that the original like thing that I read that said that all you have to do to trigger it is, you know, like have a house, um, have resident have services. Resident services. That was probably it. That was probably that and download. They missed the crucial part. Download it from the eShop. For dum-dums like me, you gotta like spell it out. So I think if if I had actually done that, all of this work that I did to get KK on my island wouldn't have been worth it. I'm kind of, I mean, this is definitely uh, <laughs> after the fact feeling this way where it's like, okay, I'm actually kind of glad I didn't know that because I've enjoyed putting, um, sure. you know, I've enjoyed putting a little bit of work into the island. I've enjoyed, I have two uh, citizens or two village islanders out of like six that I like the other ones. I uh, they're starting to leave now, and I'm like, all right, see you later. Uh, so you know, I have Seymour uh, the cat, yeah, and then I recently got Boris, who is like a pig. Perfect. And he's like a blue hog with yeah. tusks, and I love him. Um, he sounds great. I love him a lot, and so those two are like my keepers. Yeah. Everybody else, I'm a little bit like. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Mm -hmm. But I did start Happy Home Paradise. I only did the beginner house with Eloise. Eloise's reading room. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but excited for another reason to start going back and like actually playing Animal Crossing New Horizons again. To play, but I do admit, I love this. I do admit, I I'm this. a little <laughs> like burned out now on Animal Crossing because I've been playing every day to right. try to like check those boxes. Hoping at any moment I'm going to be able to play Happy Home Paradise. Um, just got to download it. I just got to download it. Do not be letting me yes. be, you know, like a, an example of what not to do. 
Um, I'm glad that you finally got access to it. I would like to see some of your home creations at some point. Um, it's something that I would also like to get back to. Um, Sarah and I both took like a little bit of a break from it um, over the uh, holiday, uh, but I believe she's in the other room playing it right now. So uh, we're getting right back into it. All right, Mark, those are the games that we've been playing the last couple weeks. Um, let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. So this is a little bit. We're, gonna, uh, we're, we're going back a little bit. back just a little bit. But a couple more Sega Genesis games came to Nintendo Switch Online on December 17th. Mm-hmm. Altered Beast, Toe Jam and Earl, uh-huh. Dynamite Heady, mm-hmm. Sword of Vermilion, and Thunder Force 2. Which, I gotta say, after getting the after getting Paper Mario and the announcement of uh, Banjo-Kazooie for sometime in January, I wasn't expecting to get like a drop of Genesis games. I don't think we've ever got five games at a time on any of the Nintendo Switch Online system. Ooh, that's a good point. Post-launch. Like, yeah. usually I feel like the most we got was three. Yeah, I wonder if we ever got more from the uh, original NES because that didn't launch with that many games. No, like Super Mario Brothers 2 USA like wasn't on there. Yeah, yeah, The yeah. Donkey Kong Country 2 and 3 wasn't on there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in, in any event, f- five games. And look, Altered Beast is a steaming pile of bad game, uh, but I have a lot of nostalgia for it. Um, Toe Jam and Earl, I got to say, I don't understand I turned it on uh, and like played it for maybe 10 minutes and I got the one of the characters, whichever is the the red one. I don't know. Toe Jam? I don't know. Um, to like walk around on like an overhead map. Uh, but I couldn't tell if like that was the game or if that's just like the map before I go into the levels. I don't get Toe Jam and Earl. I always confused. To- I've never played Toe Jam and Earl. I yeah. always confused it with Earthworm Jim. Yeah, this is a, a, a common uh, thing for me as well. Um, but I mentioned that to some friends the other day, uh, and I was made fun of, so I don't... They must have owned Genesis. They must have. Um, but so th- these are all games that I-, I will check out in some capacity at some point. I wonder if we played, because we, I feel like both really enjoyed our exploration <laughs> of Sega Genesis over the holidays. And I wonder if we played Alter Beast in the same way that we played, um, Golden Axe. If it would be a similar, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, altered beast is a tough one to swallow um, with any sort of distance from when it came out. The concept is so cool that you're like dudes that turn into like werewolves and werebears, and you're just like fighting your way through a graveyard. Cool concept, uh, but the game itself is awful. <laughs> I don't know anything about like Thunder Force Two, Sword of Vermilion. Yeah, I don't sort know of Vermilion sounds like something that would possibly be up my alley. Thunder Force Two is probably uh, fun too, and Dynamite Heady, uh, you throw your head at things and your head explodes. Oh. Um. So I mean, I'm I'm just saying, I want to check out some of these games. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. And then on, we're jumping a little ahead now to Monday, January 10th, where we think. Picross S7 we think is uh releasing in the US. I believe it's already out in Japan. Okay. That happened in December, but I I agree with you. I Patrick, you put this list of uh, new releases together and uh you were saying that you can't confirm this. I was looking at it as well and can't confirm it either, but I do see people referencing yes. a January 10th release date in the US. So I think 
we're probably oh, safe. Yeah, it's not currently on the uh, Switch eShop, so it's possible that it won't come out uh, and will come out at, the, at another time. I remember this being an issue with a previous uh, Picross S entry. Um, so it could just be that again. Also, it used to happen all the time with the eShop. It, right. feel, it feels like that the release dates have gotten a little more sticky, but in the early days of this show, we oh, yeah. would say release dates or something. And, and then we'd be saying it again next week because <laughs> yeah, it would yeah. just show up again and again. Also wanted to point out that there's a game coming out on Thursday, January 6th called Epic Dumpster Bear 2, colon, He Who Bears Wins. So, you know. There's something for everybody. <laughs> All right, let's close out the new releases. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. Therefore, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. It's been a couple weeks since Mark and I have been together, so we got to do a little bit of like a pop culture catch-up. So we're going to be talking uh, 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 about... Uh, I just broad strokes here. Spider-Man, probably uh, Hawkeye, probably Book of Boba Fett. Uh -huh. um, Do you know, there's something else I want to talk to you about. We, oh, yeah. we actually saw this movie together, but it was before it was right before um, we took our winter break. Oh, yes. And that was West Side Story, West Side Story, which I loved so much. I have not been able to get it out of my head. Like, oh, I yeah. Really, I'm listening really, to it really, all the time. Yeah. I really loved West Side Story. West Side Story was great. I know it's sort of bombed at the box office, um, but man, it was just so good. Like, I just really, really liked it. Yeah, me too. I cannot wait for the opportunity to watch it again, honestly. Like, I just, I, there was something about it that really, like, sparked for me. Yeah. Well, and it also, like, you know, for as much of, uh, and n no real Spider-Man spoilers just at this moment, but there is, like, a thing that happens in Spider-Man that, uh, you know, refers back to people's nostalgia and sort of, like, recontextualizes some stuff and some actors um, in a way that is, uh, like, more relevant for now. And West Side Story does that. Like, how cool is that? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, uh. It's and I feel like the changes. So I know we're not just talking about West Side Story. I know we're not. I know we're not just talking about West Side Story. But the changes that they made to yeah. it, and like yeah. the way that you were, like they contextualized the whole story, I did, I just thought it was really smart. I, I, I just thought it was the performances for the most part are really great. Yeah. Um. I just thought it was really really good. So I have. Oh, did you see uh Matrix? Uh, yes. The, the Resurrections. Yeah, Resurrections. Yes, yes I did. So I have. I have not seen that yet. Mark. I know, but that one's at least on HBO Max. Right. You so can check it I'll out. I'll be able yeah. to check it out. Um. Okay. I also haven't seen Spider Man, okay. but you saw Spider Man. How was Spider Man? <laughs> Spider Man was really good. Um. Should we spoil Spider Man at I, all or not? I well, I you don't didn't know. see it. I haven't seen it, but like I exist in the world, and so the spoilers are just out there at this point. Like IGN and stuff, they're just openly talking about it because it's been two weeks or whatever. That's true. That's true. So they feel like statute limitations. Okay. So well, if, if you feel very strongly, I'm not going to like hard spoil it yeah. because uh, you know, I'm not going to talk about like the ending. No, maybe I will. Um. You know how to skip 433. It's not that long of a segment. Um, yeah, super cool to see all the Spider-Mans together. Uh, and Andrew Garfield, like, owns the movie. Um, I mostly despise the Amazing Spider-Man movies. I saw one of them in the theater with you, That's Mark. That's right. Um, and, yeah, just, like, 
they just hate those movies. Um, I think they're bad. Um, but he's a very charming dude. I really liked him in Tick, Tick, Boom this year. Um, and so, like, you know, the sort of, like, calls on the internet for, like, make Amazing Spider-Man 3. I'm like, that'll be terrible. But, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, you know, I, for, for whatever reason, and this is one of those, like, un... Like, it, it's like cilantro. It just, for whatever reason, yes. Andrew Garfield is just not, like, my favorite actor. But I have heard also that he is, like, very charming in this. Did you see Tick, Tick, Boom? No, I, ha- I haven't. So I think Tick, Tick, Boom uh, helps unlock it because it is a musical and because he has a certain, like, theatricality, a certain, like, mm-hmm. bigness to his performances, even in, like, a sort of mumblecore sort of way. Um, and, like, he does, he does, like, the modern musical right. Oh, like, interesting. Like, he sells it in a way where you're like, this is a little embarrassing, but I'm moved by it, which is all a musical is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, like, that for me, and then seeing him in Spider-Man, I was like, oh, oh I, that's get, fun. I get it. That's I love fun. him now. Okay, we've got to move on. Talk about Hawkeye. On from, okay, back to West Side Story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Spider-Man connection is there because Mark Webb, who directed the Amazing there Spider-Man movies, there you go. is going to direct the uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs for Disney, who is starring yes. um, the Rachel, whatever her name is, who yes. plays Maria there we go. in you did West Side it. Story. Who is related to Kevin Bacon? But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Hawkeye. Hawkeye. We are now going to spoil the end of Hawkeye. <laughs> um, Hawkeye, I, I think, follows for me in the tradition of the uh, M- uh, MCU Disney Plus series, where I liked everything, and then the finale was kind of a bummer. Yeah, I actually, yeah, I feel like um, most of the MCU stuff recently, the third acts have not really come together for me. Right. Um, this one, for whatever reason, I felt least bummed out about. Yes. Because I still felt like it was charming, and I didn't feel like the joy of the show to me was not the plot of the show. Right. And I felt like the characters were strong throughout. Like, I liked the characters throughout the entire yeah. thing. Yelena, baby. Yeah. Nah, I, yeah. I, I like her so much. Florence Pugh is so good as that character. I, I never want her to leave. I, I think it's really interesting how much they pl- I play her for laughs, like, as a joke machine. Yeah. In Hawkeye. Yeah. Um. And I just in Black I, Widow, that's too. That's true. That's true. But I feel like in Black Widow, I, I don't know. It, uh, it, I thought it was interesting to see her in this. I'm interested to see how they use her going forward. It is funny because, like, when uh, when you've got Kate and Clint on screen, Kate is the comic relief to uh, Clint's uh, straight man. But when it's Kate and Yelena, then Kate is the straight yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because Yelena is just that much funnier, and what are you going to do? But, yeah, I, I really liked um, – uh, Kate, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought the whole thing was just light and fun. Yeah. Um, I liked Rogers the musical, and I liked that that was kind of like the mid credit sting. I thought that was fun. Um, Here's, I think that song, and I know it's supposed to be, I think the song Save the City, awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, but you're okay, right. Good. I think it's supposed good. to be. <laughs> good, 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 yeah. good. Um, yes. Book of Boba Fett? Book of Boba Fett, let's do it. Um... Fine so far. We're one episode in. I I am interested in seeing more. Um, I feel like the show. I just like it looking a little more cinematic, which I Robert Rodriguez definitely brings um, in his direction. That like Dave Filoni or like you know whoever isn't actually bringing to it. Um, but I don't know enough about what the show is yet. And of course, that's the end of the uh, 
433. So we'll have to finish our catch up, I guess, off mic. Mark, I don't know how this, I don't know how this works. <laughs> Are we done talking about it forever? Uh, we were accompanied today by the Randolph College Chamber Orchestra with soloist William Paris Jr. conducted by Randall Spear. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. So speaking of Nintendo Switch Online, Nintendo 64. Yep. Maybe. Maybe. Really stretching the maybe here. Yeah. Because GoldenEye 007, the Nintendo 64 classic, is it coming to modern consoles? And specifically, is it coming to uh, Xbox? Probably it's coming to Xbox. In some form. Yeah. So the Xbox Achievement site's True Achievements spotted an achievement list for GoldenEye 007. There is no similarly leaked list of trophies to suggest that this is coming to PlayStation. But But, (laughs) I don't know. It like the I know that Microsoft owns Rare Mm -hmm. and Rare developed uh goldeneye 007 when they were owned by nintendo exactly right and so and the last time that we saw any goldeneye 007 thing was during during the wii era when like activision remade it when they had the james bond license and but even that was less remake and more of like a weird sequel with the same name yeah that's very true craig's license yeah likeness yeah um yeah and there were rumors at some point last year about a goldeneye uh remake um which also then quietly went away. So who knows? I, we'll get more information about this probably soon. If yeah, a, probably. A, a, a achievement list is like popping somewhere. Yeah. So I, I hundred percent believe that it's coming to Xbox One. Yeah. I think that'd be a that'd be a good get. That's a would be a fun get. Um, I, I it wouldn't surprise me if it is just Xbox exclusive. Yeah, me too. Right? Because yes, it was published by Nintendo, but that was like, and developed under like when rare was you were like you're saying patrick a nintendo first party developer but oh no no they weren't they were like uh nintendo never no nintendo them. did own them right and they sold them to microsoft or i thought but my they, vague memory of the story yeah, at this here point we, go. we don't have any moment, facts we had no in idea what we're talking this about moment uh-huh. my vague memory of the story is that nintendo owned part of rare did not but didn't own the entire thing the like some uh the original owners of rare were going to sell and they offered it to nintendo nintendo said no and they sold to microsoft um so i don't know that rare was ever like a first party like a you know like in the same situation that retro was yeah but it's been so long since i've thought about that acquisition story that i don't know if i'm getting any of those facts right but basically the long and short of it in relation to goldeneye 007 is i think you know we've seen games that nintendo helped published more recently like uh fatal frame the uh black maiden one or whatever that was originally a wii u exclusive but was recently released on switch and other consoles it wouldn't surprise me if this turns out to be another thing where you know nintendo's just kind of let this go uh according to wikipedia during its early years rare was backed by an unlimited budget from nintendo primarily concentrated on nintendo entertainment system nes games uh during the time the studio created blah 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 um 
Rare became a prominent second-party developer for Nintendo, which came to own a large uh, minority stake in the company. So I guess that that is what it is, that they never actually owned them, but they did own a part of them. Yeah. uh, And an unlimited budget? (laughs) Living the dream. That can't be right. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like Nintendo. I'm going to check the source on that one. (laughs) So what do you think? For as far as 007 goes, I, I think I think it's uh, not coming to uh, the Switch. I think it'll be on Xbox as a sort of uh, novelty. I don't really think anyone's going to revisit uh, uh, GoldenEye 007 and be like, "Oh, this is a game that I actually want to spend time with." Um, you know, I, I know a, a lot of control for a lot of games has been standardized over the last you know two and a half decades. But it, it's especially true for first-person shooters, um, and to try to revisit something like that now is almost impossible. Weird sale alert. Weird sale! Atlas is putting a ton of their games on sale for deep discounts, but the only twist is that it's 3DS games. Just 3DS games. The sale ends this Wednesday, January 5th, so if this is of interest to you, don't delay. Yeah, get on it. Uh, here's some games... And their sale price. Etrian Odyssey 2 Untold. The Fafnir Knight is $7.99. Etrian Odyssey 4 Legends of the Titan is $7.99. Patrick, do you want to take a couple? Sure. Uh, Etrian Odyssey Nexus is $9.99. Etrian Odyssey Untold. The Millennium Girl. Yeah, Millennium Girl is $7.99. Etrian Odyssey 5 Beyond the Myth is $8.99. We don't have to actually run down all of them, I don't think. Okay, well, here's... The next three are of it. (laughs) Okay, so Persona (laughs) Q... Is seven ninety nine. Persona Q two is nine ninety nine. Radiant Historia Perfect Chronology is nine ninety nine. I actually just picked this one up yesterday for nine ninety nine. For nine ninety nine, yeah. didn't actually know it was on sale. The timing is fortuitous. Retronauts released an episode maybe a couple of weeks ago, but I listened to it during the break about Radiant Historia and their discussion of it. A game that was not on my radar at all before got me really interested in this 3DS version because it's a remake and there's a mode for it where you can basically just experience the story. Oh, there you go. uh, Yeah, exactly. The story is supposed to be really interesting. The battle system is, um, from their discussion of it, sounds really interesting but very complex. And But the the story I'm, I'm looking forward to experiencing and it being on sale was a huge bonus. So, yeah, I picked up Radiant Historia perfect chronology um and then the uh the persona q games are like a first person dungeon like dungeon crawler thing using characters from the persona games exactly so it's actually developed by the etrian odyssey team Mm. and so it's a very similar thing where like you it's a first person dungeon crawler where you are using the bottom screen to draw out the map Gotta like say, to map the dungeon. that's so cool. Yeah, but apparently they're working on a Switch version. I'm curious Ooh. to know how that'll work without like the dual screens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then also all of the Shin Megami Tensei games that are on the um, 3DS are on sale for under ten bucks each. That includes uh, the um, original version of Shin Megami Tensei Four for eight bucks, um, and then Shin Megami Tensei Four uh, Apocalypse for nine dollars. So. There's a lot if you're if you've ever been interested in um, Atlas games outside of you know the Persona games and you got a 3DS, um, you've got some uh, cracks at cheap versions of these games. Nintendo released a video last week celebrating the best-selling indie games on Switch of 2021, and here they are in the order in which Nintendo presented them. 
Cyber Shadow, Unpacking, Tetris Effect Connected, Stick Fight the Game, Curse of the Dead Gods, Ender Lilies, Doki Doki Literature Club Plus, Spelunky 2, Road 96, Subnautica and Subnautica Below Zero, Littlewood, Islanders, Slime Rancher Plortable Edition, Eastward, and Axiom Verge 2. Now, the first thing that jumps out at me uh, from looking at this list is the sheer number of them that were featured in indie showcases. Um, Nintendo does a good job of surfacing indie games that then go on to sell well on their uh, on the Switch. It's it's remarkable the power of that. Like the only games on here that I think weren't featured in those showcases are like Stick Fight the game uh, and maybe Curse of the Dead Gods and I think everything else maybe Littlewood. I don't I don't actually know what Littlewood is, but everything else has been uh in a Indie World showcase. I also think it's really interesting how I it's a constant reminder to me how narrow my focus of video games are because yeah. mm-hmm. there's a lot of games on here that I'm not familiar with at all. Like Road 96, like you said, Littlewood, Islanders. I've heard of Slime Rancher, but I'm actually not really familiar with what it is. And uh, I think that's I think that's really cool. I also think it's interesting that Axiom Verge 2 released last year and um, I don't remember people really talking about it past it, when it yeah, released. Yeah, it had a little moment, but um, not really. I mean, it's hard to live up to the like original, right? Um, yeah. Uh, it, it, it happens pretty infrequently. Like, um, even Spelunky 2, I feel like, has a smaller footprint than the original Spelunky when it... But, you know, that's among the... And in both cases, those are both games that were sort of part of, like, the initial onslaught of, like, whoa, this indie game is actually good uh, from, like, seven years ago. Also, it's really hard to tell from, like, my, you know, right. like, social media feeds what the general video game discourse is. Because you just like, follow fairly... me, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Like, mine is very curated. And so um, I don't really know what I'm talking about. Um, I do think it's cool that Cyber Shadow is on here. Love Cyber Shadow. Uh, love Tetris Effect Connected. Um, uh, what else? Oh, uh, I tolerated Eastward for a little bit, and then I stopped playing it. Um, and it is still a game that I intend to get back to at some point, but uh, ha- haven't yet. We may need to enforce a moratorium on the show on discussing global supply chain issues. Okay, all right. And chip shortages until right. there's something like more uh, specific, more meaningful to talk about regarding it. Because the headline is just... It's going to be a long time before this gets sorted <laughs> right. out. Everything ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but just last week, uh, Nintendo President Shintaro Furukawa was talking about how, how that was going, how the chip shortage, supply chain issues, all that kind of stuff was going to affect Switch consoles in 2022. No surprise. Not well. Not affecting it well. Negative effects. Furukawa says, quote, as I feared, we won't be able to make the amount of units we wanted to. Unknown if that is refer- referring to the fact that in November, Nintendo revised their fiscal year 21-2022 target from 25.5 million switch down to 24 million. And so it's unclear if the context is saying, yep, 24 million is what it is, or if the context is we're not going to hit 24 million. Uh, I I assume that he was actually talking about the uh, projections for next year. Oh, um, got it. As the, the revision down um, for this financial year, even though it ends, uh, you know, April 1st, 
um, uh, that they actually made that revision at the beginning of November. So that's sort of, we've been living in the world of they know they're going to sell or make 1.5 million fewer switches uh, this year. We've been in that world for the last two months. I feel like all of this has had people talking about like when we will see a successor to the Switch. Yeah. I think it's going to be a while. I I think it's going to I think it's 2023 is my guess. Oh, really? Some, okay. I think it's sometime in 2023. I think and is that like a a a quote unquote pro or is that Switch 2? I d- And what's the difference? Yeah, I don't know what they'll call it. I think they won't call it pro. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll basically be, um, yeah, like a true n- next generation switch. Sure. In whatever like naming form that that takes. Uh, but I kind of, because, because of the supply chain issues and because of the shortages, I think it makes sense for there to be a successor, maybe like, sooner than we would maybe think because oh, like interesting I, I think it just makes sense too yeah like let's get it out like get it out there in limited quantities and have the two kind of like cross over and like like have the switch still out there while the switch two or switch pro or whatever it's called is like also rolling out but you're thinking and tell me if uh, you are not thinking this, but uh, do you think that would be like a totally forwards and backwards compatible? You can play Switch 2 games on the Switch 1. You can play Switch 1 games on the Switch 2. I think you can play Switch 1 games on the Switch 2. I do not think you'd be able to play. I don't think it'd be cross-generation that way where it's like, oh, we're releasing um, Splatoon 4 for both systems. I think it's going to be we're releasing Splatoon 4 for your Switch 2, but... Any games that you own right. on the Switch are also playable. Because I guess basically what I'm saying is that I think if Sony were going to do it over again, I don't think they would cut, they would stop selling PlayStation 4s like cold turkey because they just can't make enough PlayStation 5s. Right. You know what I mean? So right. it's, uh, and the Switch is using such, I know that um, manufacturing capacity is not infinite, but the Switch is using older components for a lot of its stuff. And so that seem to be e- more easily sourced than uh, like the components for a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox Series X. Or even the original plans for what the Switch OLED became. Right. And so I guess it just makes sense to me that it's like, okay, keep making... Before the Switch completely dies, right? right before all you lose all momentum on the Switch, have the next Switch out there, but you still m- continue to make the original Switch. Um, which, I don't know. Uh, which actually is something that we saw in you know, the uh, 80s and 90s um, in the switch over to both the Super NES, you know, the NES saw support for a long time after the Super NES came out and Nintendo 64 for that matter. Um, we saw a, still a lot of support for the Super NES after Nintendo 64 came out. The thing that, like just knowing that whatever console generation comes next is going to be more supply constrained than the current makes me wonder why you would even bother developing for exclusively that new platform. Why would you do that? Yeah, that's true. Especially when there's a hundred million switches in the wild. Like I, I think it'll be a long, if, if Nintendo does come out with a new switch in 2023, I think we don't see a new switch exclusive game until like 2025. Like I, it feels so far away at this point. Well, and you're right. I mean, even at launch, the last couple of systems, maybe not with the Wii U, 
but we saw, you know, like from the GameCube to Wii era, we saw a Zelda game that was available on both. And then that was know? it. Then right, Nintendo right. That was done uh, supporting the old platform yeah, after that. Yeah, that's true. But they, but you know, they have had some sort of cross generational games for a while. I guess if I were the way I'm thinking about it is that what you run the risk of, I think, is the, uh, you know, like the last few years of the Wii were dire, right? Yeah. And if that same sort of thing happened with the Switch, where the Switch just lost all of its momentum. And then you release a new switch, but it it has like a trickle of yeah, of, new of availability. Software, yeah. Then I think you're kind of in a difficult spot. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I well, and also, look, Nintendo goes through these like dark periods, right? The end of the Wii's life cycle, all of the Wii U's life cycle, even like the sort of like end of the GameCube, right? Where like. And the end of the Nintendo 64, all of the, and there's, they're all like shorter periods and they always bounce back and there's always a Pokemon game coming out on the handheld or whatever to, to get them through it. Um, you know, now that the, uh, here's the thing, Pokemon will always save them, right? So even if uh, they try to put out this, like the new, Pokemon's not going to jump to the new platform until it's a proven thing, right? We saw that um, with, uh like Sun and Moon and uh, Ultra Moon and uh, Ultra Sun, that those games came out during the Switch life cycle. And it was later that the Pokemon company got on board and was like, all right, fine, we'll start putting games on Switch. Um, my point is, there are dark times in the Nintendo uh, timeline. We may be coming into another one of those. I don't think this year, but I think, I think there could be a, a time in the years to come shortly uh, that won't be as fruitful as ha they have been for a while. Yeah, I, I I think that's definitely true. It feels like that whatever Nintendo has planned for 2022, which we'll talk a little bit we'll more about, on, more Thursday, about on Thursday, um, is that they feel confident in what they have yeah. as far as like software goes. Um, but yeah, I it'll be interesting to see what the year holds and again uh we will not talk about supply chain issues <laughs> That's right. unless it becomes relevant again in some novel way but also we'll probably talk about it next week and finally did you know that there is an ongoing zelda twilight princess ma manga that's been going since the beginning of 2016 no mark i did not know i this. didn't know that either but it turns out that it's coming to an end. Oh, no. And with its final arc being the one that started publishing in December in Japan, creator Akira Himikawa broke the news on Twitter just before the new year. And apparently these books are usually collected and localized to North America within the year, which does that mean that these this manga is available like we could oh, be yeah. reading this mon yeah you, we, we could be right reading now. the first nine volumes of it right now you can go on amazon they're just there is it that's amazing i can't believe that i didn't know that is it just recounting like the plot of i don't know Twilight Princess <laughs> i don't know as I mean, conveyed in the game i mean it probably could be uh at that many volumes there's a lot of story and incident uh tucked into and characters right like interesting characters that would be fun to explore um through like an, another medium um yeah it's a uh, it's wild to think that like even if it goes off of the just like the main story there that it's like exploring the story and world of one specific zelda game and it just makes me so like happy and grateful that they're each entry in the series is so 
like unique and presents its own world and its own identity um, with just all these other storytelling opportunities. It's just cool. It just makes that me is like cool. It makes happy me about re- Zelda. It makes me want to read this. G- yeah. We should, we should pick up the first volume. We should. We should. <laughs> um, all right, Mark. Let's get out of the news. Okay, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Please remember to rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter, wherever you share stuff. It doesn't matter to us as long as you're sharing it with the people you tolerate. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Apebetty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening. I'm Brian Husky. I'm bald. And I'm Charlie Sanders, and I'm also bald. And we host Bald Talk on the Campfire Media Network. Bald Talk is the podcast where two bald comedians talk to anyone bald about being bald. But this show isn't just for baldies, Brian. Harrow's will love it, too. Bald Talk gets into vulnerability, vanity, insecurity, and self-acceptance, reminding us that we all have our respective bald spots. Not that bald spots are a bad thing. No way. I mean, my entire head is one big bald spot. It is one huge, beautiful bald spot, Charlie. Get Bald Talk on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I I have like a little bit of hair, but not like you. Like you're really bald. I'm truly bald. Great. I mean, it's I'm great. balder than it. you. You are balder than me. Only on Bald Talk. Campfire.